Welcome to Moments with Deru podcast, season five, and I'm your host, Modoni. This is a space to inspire, encourage, and uplift you. You can join our community by visiting www.momentswithndero.com. Throughout this season, there will be a combination of solo and interview episodes where different thoughts will be shared, and I hope you'll grab a hold of one or two words and apply them into your lives. With that said, let's dive in. Today's guest helps people maximize their health potential so they can look and feel their best at any age. He's a naturopathic doctor and a biblical health coach. He's also the host of the Natural Health Matters podcast, and he's the author of the book, The Christian's Guide to Holistic Health. Welcome onto the show, David. Well, Thani, thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. What's one thing that you're learning about yourself post-pandemic? Well, that's that's an interesting question. Um, I'm learning that relationships are important. You know, a lot of things got taken away from us during the pandemic. But one of the things that I was able to do more of, and that was get closer with my family, my wife and kids. So that that's one of the things that I took away from the from the whole pandemic, that relationships are what really matters. Yes, relationships matter. And, you know, it just made us realize how life is so fragile and just making sure that we cherish every moment together. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. So how did you, considering, you know, most children or rather when we were children, we would tell our parents, I want to be an astronaut. I want to be a scientist. I want to be you know, an actress, how did you get to be a doctor? Was it something that you chose as a child or is it something that you stumbled upon along the way? Oh, I definitely came about this later in life. Uh, I was, uh, was a full-time airline pilot for 35 years. And uh, that, was, that was my career choice. And around, I'd say about a little over 20 years ago, I had my own uh, set of health challenges that the doctors weren't able to help me with. I had chronic sinusitis, I had uh, aches and pains, uh, I had a, a gym injury that I couldn't get over with my elbow. And I got some help from a, a natural practitioner. And he put me on the path to wellness. And I felt so much better that I was like, you know, I'm going to learn all I can about this natural stuff, because this is this is huge. And you're not really getting that from the traditional medical paradigm, at least that we have here in the US. And that is you go into the doctor and they listen to your collection of symptoms, they call it a disease, and then they prescribe medicine or pills to, to relieve your symptoms. And that's about all they've got. And, and if that doesn't work, it's surgery. And there's so much more to health than that. Health is much, much more than it's simply the absence of disease. And I made a study out of it. And now I have a book and a podcast and I, I love sharing what I've learned with people. I went to your podcast and I was pretty impressed with what stood out for me. And this is what you basically have in your description that, you know, natural means that it's according to God's design. And by being healthy, it means that we are healthy mind, soul, and spirit. Could you touch more on that? Health, as uh, in general, starts with health and spirit. 
because when we're connected to God in the right way, our spirit will animate our minds in healthy ways. And our minds that are healthy will animate our brains and our brains run our bodies. So if you're interested in physical vitality, it all starts in the spiritual because the spirit mind body relationship is strong. And all three parts of who and what we are, are interconnected and interdependent. What affects one part of our being will by necessity alter the others for good or bad. So if we really want our approach health effectively, we've got to consider the whole person, spirit, mind, and body. Agreed. For someone who's listening, maybe this is the first time that they're hearing that we as human beings are an embodiment of mind, soul, and spirit. So for someone who's touching upon this for the first time, what does that mean? Well, it means that we're a lot more than simply a body, which, you know, here in the U.S. is the way doctors treat things. They, they reject the idea of uh, a mind-body connection, uh, ex except to acknowledge perhaps the placebo effect. You know, when you take uh, someone's involved in a clinical trial or a study, they take a sugar pill and they actually experience the desired outcome that the, that the medication is purported to elicit. Um, they'll acknowledge it to that point, but they don't want to explore it any deeper than that. And it's my contention that we maximize our health potential when we align our lives more fully with God's natural design for spirit, mind, and body which is kind of what I just touched on. When we, when we have a healthy spirit, our mental emotional component or our, our mind or our soul is healthier. And the mind or lives is what directs our brains and the brains run the body. So there's an interconnectedness there that we can't afford to ignore. It's, it's, it's powerful. It is. And, you know, just reflecting on life and interacting with different people there are different elements that can affect, you know, the mind, soul, and spirit, not necessarily physical, but emotions. And one of the things that I'm learning is that unforgiveness can really hinder those three aspects. So could you touch upon, you know, unforgiveness and the importance of forgiving? Sure, absolutely. This is, this is such a huge part. And for me, forgiveness is part of our spiritual component because it's something we... The spiritual component is all about loving relationships. It starts with our love relationship with God, and it's our loving relationships with one another, and the love relationship we have with ourselves. Self-care and self-love is an important part of holistic health. And the trouble is, we're, when we're in relationship with other people, we're going to hurt each other. It, it happens all the time. So forgiveness is kind of an everyday thing if you're pursuing healthy relationships. I like what John Eldridge says in his awesome book, Waking the Dead. He says, living in community is like a bunch of porcupines on a cold night. We need to stick together for the warmth, but when we get close, we poke each other with our spines. And I, I think that's a great metaphor and a great way it of is. looking at what it's like being in a relationship. So we're gonna hurt each other sometimes, most of the time unintentionally, right? But Occasionally it's intentional and we need to have a process to restore that relational connectedness. So it's, it's part of God's design that we live in the present. Um, we, we can only live our lives in the moment. We can't live in the past. And although many people try, uh, living in the past 
by holding grudges and withholding forgiveness is like is to be living in conflict with our natural design. When we live in the past, we allow resentment and bitterness to fester like open sores and they bring us harm. Um, so one of the great quotes I love about forgiveness is withholding forgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. We think we're somehow punishing them by not forgiving them, but the only person we're harming is ourselves. They might not even know that they hurt us. That person could even be deceased and we're still holding on to grudges and unforgiveness and it's poisoning our systems. So when we withhold forgiveness, it produces things like anger, resentment, bitterness, and they all serve to break down our health. We don't call anger, resentment, and bitterness toxic emotions for nothing. So offering forgiveness brings more relational connectedness and it brings more love, joy, and peace, which I believe most people would agree that they're all health promoting. So love, joy, and peace are primarily found in the context of relationships. So we can't really talk about forgiveness outside of the context of relationships. So that's, that's what we're going to find our love, joy, and peace. So one of the, one of the important concepts of um, relational connectedness, I call it the emotional cup. And it basically goes like this. Our emotional capacity, each human being, it's limited. And for most of us, our emotional cup is full of a lot of negative emotions like frustration, disappointment, anger, those types of things. And the trouble is when our cup gets full of those negative emotions, there's very little room left for the positive emotions hmm. like love, joy, and peace. And when our cup is full and we get stressed what or pushed, what spills out the top of the cup is all the junk that comes in with relationships. Maybe it's fighting sarcasm or stonewalling or some form of escapism like pornography or alcohol or drugs or maybe someone escapes into their work or a hobby and all that serves to break down our relationships one of the keys to relational connectedness is to empty our emotional cups and we do that through confession and forgiveness well a lot of people have never really thought about what a true confession looks like you might hear somebody say something like this i'm sorry you feel that way well, that's not an apology at all. In fact, that's the exact wrong thing to say. That's gaslighting. That's saying that they're the problem, not us. And you're saying to that person, it's, it's your reaction, it's the problem here. A normal person wouldn't feel the way you do. Mm. That's gaslighting. Mm. So that doesn't allow any room for us to take personal responsibility for our own actions. A real apology sounds something like this. What I did was wrong. It mattered, and I know I hurt you. Can you talk to me more about how that made you feel? Then you make sure that you that person feels heard. After that, through sharing, you could say something like this, is there anything else? Or let me summarize what I heard you say. And then you give them a chance to clarify, say, no, that's not exactly what I meant. Let me, let me explain that further. So when they feel heard, you can, uh, the next step for you is you don't offer any excuses. 
And after they, you fully explored together how that person feels, then you're ready to ask, will you forgive me? So there's the confession part. And no one wants to forgive, right? No one feels like forgiving, mm. but we can kind of grease the wheels, so to speak, and make them more motivated to forgive if we offer a confession and an apology in the right way. Does that make sense? It totally makes sense. And I really liked how you brought up gaslighting. You know, we find ourselves in many situations where people gaslight us because, you know, forgiveness is not something that we are comfortable doing. So how does someone manage the gaslighting? Yeah, well, you have to make sure that they understand how they feel and, and what they did actually hurt you, right? You've got, so you've got to focus on, you know, when you said that at the party the other night, I felt disrespected, you know, and, and you've got to foster that environment where you're communicating effectively. And, you know, it takes two there. You know, that person has to be willing to listen to you and willing to accept their role in that conflict. They, they may not even understood that it hurt you. Mm. And if we don't bring it up, conflict can be a very good thing in relationships because we can resolve things and move on. But if we, if we hold it in and we hold a grudge and we say, I'm just not going to forgive that, it, it serves to break down the relationship. So it, it's all about good, communi effective communication. And if two people are committed to a relationship, they should want to do that, right? Yes. You mentioned something else of how one can empty the emotional cup. So one was confession. The second was? Forgiveness. So after you've heard that person out, after after you're, they're, they're comfortable with they've shared everything they want to share about that incident, then you're in a position to say, will you forgive me? And then they get to choose. It's, it's up to them. You don't force them to. It's, it's given out of our own free will. Uh, I love what Mark Twain says about forgiveness. He says, forgiveness is the fragrance the rose gives off to the heel that crushed it. Amazing. So forgiveness is always unilateral. It always goes to the undeserving. And it, it's an inside job. It's something that occurs inside our hearts. It's not dependent upon their response or uh, restoration of the relationship even because we just simply offer it. Forgiveness is letting go of our right to seek restitution in some way. Uh, it's not letting them off the hook. It's not being a doormat. It's about just releasing them to God's discipline and not our own. I like so that. I think that's a good way to approach things. Yes. When you offer forgiveness to someone, it does not mean that the relationship will be restored or there will be reconciliation. Could you touch up more on that? Right. Well, they're two different things, right? Uh, forgiveness is a matter of your heart condition. Mm. If we've forgiven well, then we, we won't forgive and forget. That's a misnomer. That, that's, the, that's not true. We're going to remember the event. But if we've forgiven that person, we can remember the event with more grace. And we're not going to experience that familiar knot in our stomachs anymore there's that mind-body connection again. So, yeah, so we have to separate the idea of forgiveness from relational restoration. Sometimes restoration is not gonna be possible. Uh, we, we can do everything right 
And if that person is not interested in restoring the relationship, it's not going to happen because we all have free will and we can't force that person to behave or react in the way that we want. It has to be given out of our, of our own free will. God gives every human being the ability to make choices. We call it free will. And the reason why we have free will is because love cannot be coerced. Mm. It cannot be taken. It has to be voluntarily given. And the same is true here. If we want relationship with that person, we can make our views known. We can do everything on our end, accept our responsibility, confess our wrongdoing, ask for forgiveness. Hopefully they'll offer it. But that doesn't mean the relationship has been restored. It takes two to be in relationship. So that's the way I look at it. I could not agree more. It takes two to build our relationships. It takes two to put in the effort. If, you, if your younger self was seated across you right now, what would you tell him with all that you know right now? I would say, Dave, you're not hurting that other person and you're not punishing that person by holding on to grudges. You're only hurting yourself because those toxic emotions, withholding forgiveness leads to anger, resentment, and bitterness. And we don't call those toxic emotions for nothing. And those will only hurt you. They don't inflict any harm on the perpetrator. Let it go. It's for your own good. You know, one of the things that I've learned through my study of the Bible is this. God loves us because he's our heavenly father. We're created in his image and he loves us because we have great value. And that's what he does. He, God is love. So he loves us enough that when he tells us to do something, it's for our benefit, just like any loving parent would do. You know, a parent would, might say to their young child, stay away from the stove. Don't run into the street to chase the ball or don't cross the road without holding my hand. We may not explain ourselves at that point, but we have the child's best interest in mind. The same is true with our Heavenly Father, God. And when he tells us to avoid something, it's for our protection. So we can take those two truths to the bank. When God tells us to do something, it's for our benefit. And when he tells us to avoid something, it's for our protection. And forgiveness, we have both sides of that coin. Hmm. You know, it's God takes forgiveness very seriously. It's in the Lord's prayer. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Why does he take it so seriously? Because he knows it hurts the ones he loves. And it's not for God's benefit that we forgive. It's not for the perpetrator's benefit. It's for our own benefit. It's for our own good. And that's what I would like the younger David to understand. I like that. What are you learning about life from your children? I'm learning that we all have an inner desire, a built-in desire to be in relationship. Mm -hmm. But that desire is hindered by being out of alignment with God's natural design, which, which what I'm trying to say is sin interferes with our relational connectedness. Jesus said he came to give us life abundant. And whenever we break God's, we violate God's natural laws, his design for living, we, we call it sin. We, we've come up short of God's ideal design and that brings us harm. And we're not experiencing the fullness of life that God had in mind when he created us. Such a powerful statement that you've just shared. Yes. You know, we, 
don't want to hold ourselves accountable when we have sinned. And, you know, as you've said, it's part of God's design for us to not sin. And, you know, you've mentioned right. John 10, 10, that he came to give us life and life more abundantly. So it's just staying within the parameters that he has set out for us, not because he's being unfair, but because, as you mentioned earlier, he is loving and he's protecting us. So we are going to enter right. a round of random questions where I'll ask you some questions and whatever comes to mind, do share. So the first question is, how can you tell that someone has a sense of humor? I would say when they know how to laugh at themselves. That's, that's the big one. You know, it's easier to laugh at other people, but when you can laugh at yourself sincerely and find humor in your imperfections, I would say that's a good sign that person has a good sense of humor. Nice. If you could interview a famous person, who would you choose? If you asked me 10 years ago, I would have had a different person, but today I would, I would say perhaps Elon Musk. Nice. I, I think he's brilliant. I think he has uh, an amazing ability to think outside the box. I'd love to sit down with him and pick his brain a little bit. <laughs> I'm sure you and many others, if you had the world's attention yeah. for 30 seconds, what would you say to the world? Well, I would say it's, it's essentially the mission statement of my podcast. We maximize our health potential when we align our lives more fully with God's natural design for spirit, mind, and body. That embodies a lot. There's a lot there. And that's why I have a podcast that we're never going to run out of things to talk about because relational connectedness with God, with one another, with ourselves, uh, mental, emotional uh, issues. We, we talked about some of the emotions today, but our uh, paying more attention to our thought lives will bring more health. And then, of course, physical vitality, you know, involves a lot there as well. Nutrition, sleep, exercise, movement, detoxification, there's, there's a lot there. But when we get into alignment with God's design for our lives, life gets easier and good things happen. That's, that's my message for the world. Nice. And what made you decide to start a podcast? Well, I had a lot of information, a lot of thoughts racing around in my head. And I wrote the book before I started the podcast, The Christian's Guide to Holistic Health. It's a 325 page book. And when I finished the book, I said, well, this book could have easily been two or three times this thick. There's so much to say here. Hmm. So I said, you know what? I would really love to have a podcast, do some solo episodes, bring some guests on and really dig, dig deep into some of these concepts of spirit, mind and body. I like that. And how would you want to be remembered? I would like, uh, I like the way Stephen Covey says that, you know, we think about attending a funeral, and what would you like said about the deceased? Now, imagine yourself being the person in the casket. What do you want people to say about you? Which is another way of asking your question, I think. Uh, but I would say, I, I'd love for people to say, he really knew how to love well. He reflected the love of God in his relationships and with the people he came in contact with. He knew how to put other people's needs wants and desires above his own. So I would say that he loved well. Nice. And in closing, is there anything else that you want to share with someone out there that's still on your heart or mind? 
There's nothing that comes to mind right now. Although, as we wrap up, I, I would like to just let your audience know that they can download a, a free uh, worksheet on the forgiveness exercise that's from my book. And if they go to my website, davidsandstrom.com forward slash 70, that's a podcast episode I did solo on forgiveness. And there's a, on that page, there's a download for a, a worksheet where you can go through the forgiveness exercise. It's very important. Everyone should do it. Thank you so much, David, for coming onto the show. I want to appreciate you. Thank you for having me, Mithoni. So dear listeners, I hope you picked up one or two things from this conversation. For me, it's let it go. There's no point holding on to the grudge or holding on to the resentment because the person who's getting hurt is not the perpetrator, but yourself. So until the next episode, continue being brave. Mm-hmm.